So I just want to be clear that what we see in this room is over 200 church planters. That's what I, that's what I see in this room. 200 plus church planters. By the way, if you don't want to be a church planter and if you don't know what a church planter is, that's okay. I didn't either. God doesn't care what you know. I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't care what you know. In fact, I believe that he invites you things, he invites you to things in which you will never feel confident to do because the moment that you do, you won't need Jesus. If you're doing something that you feel comfortable doing, then I don't think you're doing something that God's asked you to do. You can tell me when I should say, not say things, but. All right. Hey, do me a favor. I know that you guys are learners. And you already have all of the things that you need to take notes. And I, I'm grateful for that. If it's on your phone, if it's writing it down, do whatever you need to do. Learners learn by taking notes. No matter how great I am tonight, which I won't be, then you, you will forget 95% of what I say. I'm hoping that you would take notes at the top of the page. If you will write this, encounters over expectations. Encounters over expectations. And now let me introduce my lovely family to you. Here they are. Those are all mine. And there's five of them. And they are between the ages of 13 and 5, and a quick thing just about, I just want you to know who I am. Um, my, my better half, Jody. I met her when I was a freshman in high school, and she was, I'm sorry, I was a sophomore, she was a freshman. And we're married, 16 years with five kids. But listen to me, that will not happen for you. You still like to hear stories of someone marrying their high school sweetheart. I am the 0.01% that that happens for. Okay. Just felt like someone, just one person needed to hear that. <laughs> one person needed to hear that. Um, let me tell you how cool she is. I just recently, for Christmas, received an electric skateboard that goes up to 25 miles an hour. I've taken it 22, okay? Unbelievable, but this is how amazing she is. Whenever, whenever I told her this is what I wanted, she said, you already wrote down what you thought because you're already making expectations. I did too, here's what she said. Are you buying two? I gotta tell you, at that moment, I fell more in love. I said, I thought I was going to have to beg you to buy one. And she said, I didn't know that you wanted to ride a skateboard alone. 
I said, I don't. I want to ride with you. But I got to tell you, it's so boring riding with her. <laughs> Bro, I am, the, I am the most like Jesus when I ride there, but to skateboard with her. Sacrifice. I have to wear a mask we're going so slow on the skateboard. <laughs> In Massachusetts, do you have, if you're outside and you're walking the neighborhood, you got to wear a mask. I've justified if I'm on my skateboard going 22, I don't need one. So I get angry when she wants to go with me because I have to wear, I, I put it on when she, we go like two. <laughs> All right, my oldest daughter, she's the most like me, hard-headed, uh, very much in control, uh, likes to tell us what she wants to do. And likes to tell God what she wants him to do for her. Um, but she's awesome. But she scares me. Uh, my second oldest is my son. He's the only one. He's the boy. He's what I got. And he is a goofball. And he scares me because he's not smart. Isn't that crazy? They're all different, and they all scare you different ways. Then my next one, that's Carter. So Scarlett, Scarlett Grace, Carter Keith, and then my middle, she's right in the middle. That's Kirby Love. Kirby Love is special. And not, I know, all you middle children go, I know. See, they already, I knew it. They did it. I know. You're special. She's special. And uh, here's why she's special, because she remembers things that I don't remember that I do with her and she likes to tell me the things that I did with her that I thought made no impact on her life but then she also tells me the things that I've done to her that are him back to her in a negative way I'm like how about you remember just the positive <laughs> do that and then there's Winnie Faith Winnie Faith she's the she's my second youngest she's in the green and uh she's gonna be dangerous guys she came home uh, uh, after first grade, and she said, she looked in my eyes, and she said, Daddy, I kissed a boy today. <laughs> I said, did he kiss you, or did you kiss him? Because that matters. <laughs> she said, well, he looked at me first. If a boy looks at you, you don't, do not kiss him. You don't, you don't, you don't kiss him. And just last, I just want you to know who my family is. And the last one is Polly Joy. We wanted to call her PJ, but we call her Pootie. I don't know how long she's going to like that nickname. Um, she's given me the, the she, she's hard. She's the hard one. And uh, she told me the other day, Dad, you can't, you can't tell me what to do. I go, why? Why do you think that? She said, because you're not Jesus. I'm like, you are going to go really far in life. <laughs> really excited. So here is my journey. I went from Texas to Massachusetts. Born and raised South Houston. 37 years of my life. Um, lived a really comfortable life. Um, never thought that I would go into ministry. 
Never, never, never. I worked retail. I'm not going to tell you who for. Don't come asking after either. Then from there, I started a company called Sweet Leaf Tea, a bottled iced tea company. This tea with the grandma on the front, anybody? No? You can tell how successful we were. <laughs> and uh, became a student pastor, an executive pastor, and then now church plant in Massachusetts. We took a four-day journey with five kids, my wife, a dog, a cat, my mom, and a friend of ours. It was terrible. People love to ask, what is it like to be a dad to five kids? Because you are so young. And I go, if you only knew. But I take it as a compliment. And I just have to steal the quote from Jim Gaffigan. So let me tell you what it's like to have five kids. Imagine, I'm not going to write this down. Imagine yourself drowning and someone throws you a baby. <laughs> that is what it's like to have five kids. So we planted on a college campus with a vision, which was not mine going in, a vision to see college students become church planters. See, when I look at you, I don't see college students. I see a future church planter. And I want to tell you that regardless of your relationship with the creator of the universe, he designed you and created you to be a church planter. He designed you and created you to be a part of his multiplication kingdom. And I know what you're saying already. Not me. And I'm telling you, yes, you. And so we plant churches. And I say churches because this fall we're planning to open on our next college campus in the next largest city in Massachusetts, which is Worcester. To get, street, to get street cred in New England, you say Worcester. I'm learning how to get my street cred. Just like today when I put on my Georgia Bulldogs hoodie. I did that. And I gotta tell you, I FaceTimed my wife, who is an Aggie. And literally, I went chin up. She didn't even see what I was wearing. Because guys, you know, Paul said, be all things to all people. So I had to make sure I honored my wife. Honored you and my wife at the same time. So here's what we're seeing. We're actually seeing what we want to see accomplished happen. Now, when I say a church planter, let me just, because I know it gets confusing. You're like, yeah, you want everyone to go plant, everyone to be a pastor. You want everyone, you think everyone can speak, everybody. Here's, here's, I laugh because I go, why did you just make all those expectations? Here's what I mean when I say church planter. It is someone 
who gets trained up in God's multiplication kingdom. And when they graduate college, they choose to be a part of God's kingdom growing when they leave college. See, can I tell you what I know these guys are doing and what we are praying stops happening. That as the church, we have to stop waiting for college students to get out of college and hope that they come to church. Or hope that they are, that they are help building God's kingdom. And so we're going to them. And then when they graduate, we want to see them take part in building God's kingdom. Because you can get ready now to do that. I want to share one story of a girl named Caitlin who we connected with two years ago. Check it out. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I'm a Framingham State student. I've been going to Banner Hill for the past two years now. And I just wanted to share the impact Banner Hill has made on my life. Um, Banner Hill has given me a community that I never thought I would ever be in. I've just, I've been able to grow my faith with these people and I've been able to share my story with these people and be vulnerable and be honest with them. And I've never had a community that was so opening and understanding. They've given me a faith family that I never could have imagined. And I've, I've been honestly blessed. Like God has truly blessed me with some amazing people that I know that I wouldn't have been able to do life without them. To be honest, I didn't want to stay at Framingham State my freshman year. I was very nervous going to college. Like, I would have rather stay home. I would have been a homebody. Like, I was not ready to get out of my comfort zone. And when I found out that Framingham State had a church on campus, I'm like, I want to be involved. I want to serve. I want to grow my faith with people that just understand, and I wanted to do life with people. And I found that at Banner Hill, and I couldn't be more grateful for that. Banner Hill, I wanna, I wanna move out here, I wanna live here, I wanna continue doing life with people. And I wanna open up, I wanna open up a home here, like families in the church have shown for me. Like, the impact Banner Hill has had on my life is just extraordinary, and I'm so grateful for it. So we pay students to come to our church. Now I'm being for real. We pay them. But I did not pay her for that story. When she said, when I'm done, I want to buy a house in this community and have a college student come into my house. So I can serve them. I'm telling you. If God can choose kings at the age of eight, he can choose a college student right now to make a decision. forego whatever expectations that you have placed on God already in your life that you could you could let go of them and say God what do you want to do in my life let's talk about reset for a minute 
mean, I could just sit on that, but I got so much more to say. Thank you so much for that. All right. Reset. I love to just get, I love, I love the dictionary. Um, it's, it's so good. It's like it knows definitions of words. And this is, this is just a definition I want you to write down, right? It's to adjust or fix or have a new way of thinking. 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 By the way, is, is, is the guy or the, or the girl in here that made the video, the intro video? God. Hey, that was pretty good. If, uh, if no one offers you a job in the next, like, six months, I'll, I'll give you my number. Okay, cool. I put you on the spot now. Put you on the spot now. Here's why I love that video. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world. And there's a lot of expectations that you're making. In fact, I'm seeing a broken world. And they're not so much broken of, what, of what's happening. They're broken over the expectations of what they think should happen. You're, you're broken over what you think the government should do. You're broken over what you think your church should do. You're broken over what you think other people should do, what the president should have done, what the new president's going to do. And we keep going up the ladder, and many of us are just angry at God. And here's just this, I'm going to give you one more word other than, other than uh, reset that I just feel like, that I, I said, God, if you can give me another word. I mean, Vic, I love reset. But I like hearing from God too. And here, here's the word that he said. It is, I don't give you anything that's going to be revolutionary. He just said, people need to let go. This is what I want you to write down. Let go of what I think and lean into what God thinks. Let go of what I think and lean into what God thinks. Let me give you a couple things about the Bible. Um, this has been just on my heart. Many people read the Bible and you think the Bible is more about what to do. But can I tell you something? I believe the Bible is more about what you need to undo before what you need to do. I'm going to say that again. The Bible is more about what you need to undo. See, the problem is we're not undoing our old thinking before we ask God what he wants you to do. So what you're doing is just doing what you want to do out of your heart and your motives and your kingdom. And I'm going to tell you something. We need to reset even how we read God's word. If we're going to reset our thinking and our actions, we need to begin to connect to God's heart and say, what is it that you need me to undo before I ask you what you want me to do? A reset that you're going to get, let me tell you what you need to get rid of. You need to get rid of expectations. If we're going to say, God, what do you want me to undo? I'm going to ask you to get rid of expectations. You need to encounter Jesus. A reset is going to come from an encounter with Jesus, not an expectation for Jesus. And I'm telling you, we love to open the Bible and say, I have an expectation for you. 
We love to walk into church and say, I have an expectation for you. And if we're, act, if we're, if we're going to reset anything, we have to say, I am going to stop making expectations for Jesus. I'm going to stop making expectations for God. Many of our issues are not COVID. They're expectation issues. Guys, my life has been completely just, look, I'm a two-year-old church planner with a pandemic. Everything that I can do to build a church was ripped away. I love relationships. I love talking to people as close as possible to their face. I love hugging people. I like one-on-ones. I like, I mean, I, listen, everything that I like, did you hear what I said? Everything that I like to build my church got ripped away. Because God didn't ask me to build his church. I mean, to build my church, he asked me to build his church. He's using me to build his church, but I gotta be honest with you, it is really easy to use Jesus to build your church. Let me tell you what expectations are. And some of these lines I'm throwing up on the screen behind me, you can write them down. Some are just, I'm not gonna put up there because I'm not putting everything up. But here's what I want you to get. Expectations are distractions. They're two things. They're distractions from encounters and they are disappointments in encounters. They are distractions from encounters. Listen, every time you make an expectation for God, you don't need to encounter him. Why do you need to? Because you're already telling him what you want him to do. Listen, I'm going to put it this way. I believe every moment that you work off of an old expectation, it proves that you haven't had a fresh encounter. And most of our disappointments right now, because our, di our disappointments are from old expectations that we have made. From God. Now, I'm going to go to a passage here. And by the way, this is all my intro. We're still in the intro. Where are we at on time? Okay, I'm good. I'm in two places tonight. Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 24. We're going to spend all three sessions, Luke chapter 24. But if you want to turn to somewhere in your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10 just real quick. Let me just set this up. Expectations over encounters. This whole thing is going to be about... I'm sorry, encounters over expectations. Luke chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. Let me give you the context. Jesus just talked about the cost to follow Jesus. Then he gets into chapter 10 and he sends out the 72. He sends out people that are going to start being his conduits, his ambassadors. They're church planters. They're going out 
And this is what he says. Woo-hoo-hoo. Chapter 3. I mean, verse 3. Ready? He says, by the way, I'm NLT. Okay? Don't judge me. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Vic, I think about this all the time. I'm like, Jesus is like the coach here, right? And you would think that he would say something to encourage them. But sometimes Jesus, that the greatest encouragement he can give you is truth about where he knows your heart's at. He said, go. And they're like, yeah, we are. But I remember sending you out as lambs among wolves. Now listen. You know this already. In case you don't, let me make sure. He knows they're really not lambs. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Okay? They're people. Okay? He's not an actual shepherd. You guys with me? So I, but I say that. We read this really fast. We go, oh, yeah, yeah. We go, oh, it's, it's going to be hard. Now listen. He said, go, but remember that I'm speaking spiritually, not physically. Okay, I don't know if you got this yet. Now go, but here's what's going to happen. This is going to be hard spiritually for you. Get ready. And then, Jesus, this is what he does. Verse 4. Don't take any money. Don't take a traveler's bag, not even an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Let me tell you what Jesus said. When you go on a trip, what do you know you need to take? I'm taking money. Right? If anything, just to eat. I'll sleep on a curb if I get food. Right? So really, money, I need some food. So we take money. Then we pack a bag. Why do I pack a bag? Here's why I pack a bag. Because I have a plan. I have an expectation that I'm going to go on a trip from Thursday to Sunday. And when I'm there, I'm going to have three speaking engagements Then I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to hang out with Vic all day Friday. So I've made an expectation on exactly what I need. And then because I know that Jesus knows that Vic has a strong shoe game, that I will need to take extra pair of sandals. But here's here's what we do. We love, come on, some of you may be there, but I just want, I want everyone else to arrive. Here, here's what I learned. If I get too out far, if I get too far in front of the troops, I become the enemy. Listen, I need you to go with me. I need you to go with me. Okay, listen. Jesus already started speaking spiritual to them, but he knew they were still thinking physical. Jesus already went spiritual talk. 
but he knows that there's still physical talk. So then, I believe he kind of gets down on a knee, and he says, all the things that I know you're thinking, don't take them. See, we love to tell Jesus what we want to take physically into a spiritual journey with him. We love to tell Jesus what we need for his kingdom building. And he says, no, what you're doing is taking what you need for your kingdom building. And there are people, I believe, in this room, I'm talking to myself, that show up to do God's work with my expectations. And I'm just going to tell you that what I'm asking for tonight is that we would say and ask ourselves, if Jesus is sending us out in the world that we're in, what do you have packed in your bags? Every one of those things. It's why most people won't ever become a church planter. And I say this sad in my heart. Because America has said, man, you got to make money. There's no money in that. You got to know what to pack and you have no idea what you're walking into. There were two guys in Luke 24, if you want to turn over there, that were exactly where I believe most of us are at. I'm going to say that again. There are two guys in Luke 24 that are exactly where we are at. We're going to look at verse 13 through 34. Not tonight. Slow down. We're going to walk through this. These two men... Listen, they encountered Jesus with their own expectations about Jesus. This passage has wrecked my life. Because I like to tell God what I want to do. I jump in, gosh, I'm in that moment already, but I just, I want to transition to something a little bit lighter before, before the Holy Spirit does ninja moves on me, okay? So I just take a step back. Here's what I want to say. <laughs> this story, the two guys walking, road to Emmaus, right? Who's heard, the, who's, who's read that story? Good. 
Awesome. If you hadn't read it, awesome. Two guys walking away from, it, from, from Jerusalem and they encounter Jesus. Here's what I call this. This is the greatest biblical Jesus juke. John Acuff, anybody? Anybody know John Acuff, author, comedian? He seems to have coined the idea of Jesus juke. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. Jesus coined the Jesus juke. Listen, if you don't know about this story, these two guys are walking. Jesus shows up. They don't know that it's Jesus. But at the end of the story, spoiler alert, they realize it's Jesus. He just Jesus juked them. But let me tell you why it's so awesome. Because you know this. When you Jesus juke somebody, you do it because you want to shame them. This is what makes Jesus juking, it's sad, but this is what makes it funny. <laughs> right? Like, you, you shamed them. Jesus, I call this the shameless Jesus juke, which I believe he's calling us all to. And I'm going to explain all this. But just so I can just, just have a moment with you about Jesus juking. Literally heard a story the other day. My, my friend goes, oh man, I had, I had this, the greatest Jesus juke happen. By the way, everyone knows a Jesus juker? Do you know, you know who that person is? Yeah. Those that are not shaking their heads. I'm like, it could be you, right? Like, you may be the Jesus juker. But he said, this guy walked up, I knew he didn't like me. And he said, hey, are you good? And he's like, man, thanks for asking. I'm doing pretty good today. And this man goes, that's what I thought. Jesus is the only one good. And he walked away. That's what a Jesus juke is, okay? So John Acuff posted a couple of these Jesus jukes that I thought, can I just have a moment, can I laugh with you for a minute? I hope you laugh. So this one, I call this one the holiday Jesus juke. Right? Like the Easter bunny just got Jesus juked. Here's, here's this one. Here's the next one. This is the social media Jesus juke. Seek his face and read his book. Uh-huh. Jesus juke on all you social media people. Okay, here, here's another one. This is the Nike Jesus juke. Pray, just do it. Here's another holiday Jesus juke, right? The only ghost that lives here is the Holy Ghost. Yeah, in this house. Yeah, yeah. Or I call this one just the, the quote Jesus juke. Do more of which makes you happy. No, no, holy, holy. The weatherman got, got Jesus juke the other day on my social media feed. Uh, it was really good. I tried to take a picture of it, but I'll just end with this one. But the weatherman got Jesus juke. <laughs> this woman was like, here's a picture of the weatherman telling you the weather. And then, and then the next was, 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 a, was a social media meme that said, the real weather report. God rains and the sun shines. The weatherman just got Jesus juke. 
And if you don't get that joke, you got to get the rains and, and sun. Okay. <laughs> Just ask your neighbor if you don't get that. Okay. So here, now let's get back because we're about to, we're about to read some stuff that I believe are, it's going to move our hearts. I'm going to call this the seven-mile reset. The seven-mile reset. We're going to ask God to do a seven-mile reset in our life as we walk with these guys seven miles to Emmaus. Verse 13. I only left myself ten minutes for this. That was a gnarly intro. Okay. Verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus seven miles from Jerusalem. So let's just jump into this. Let, what is that same day? What just happened? Jesus just got persecuted. Jesus just went on the cross and Jesus just died. Okay? That just happened. Next thing, two of Jesus' followers. I love this. These two guys were walking away from something that affected them. You have to get this about followers. Many times people will walk away distracted and disappointed about what God did or didn't do simply based on the fact that they are following Jesus to be amazed and attracted but not to actually accept him. Listen. I believe Jesus wants as many people to hear who he is, but too many times we are hoping that he continues to just amaze us. And I got to tell you, when Jesus went on the cross to die, that did not amaze them. When we stop being attractive, when Jesus stops being attractive per our expectations, we bail. So I just want you to ask yourself, have you, have you been there? Have you bailed because he wasn't as attractive anymore? Did you bail because he didn't amaze you anymore? Did, did, did you bail because he didn't do what you wanted? I think it's a fair question. Next, they were walking to Emmaus. I've done a ton of research. Here's what I know about Emmaus. You ready? You ready? It doesn't matter. I've tried to find so many people, I'm like, tell me someone, find me someone really smart that tells me something so awesome about why they would walk to Emmaus. And people, I mean, they're trying to pull, let me tell you, here's what I've loved. They are walking to Emmaus, but there is nothing relevant about Emmaus. I'm going to tell you why that's that's important to you. Because I've learned this. When you are disappointed and distracted from God and you're walking away, it's not about where you're walking. Where you're walking is irrelevant. But you know what we do? We like to figure out where you're walking. And we think the answer is if you stop walking where you're wanting to walk, that maybe you'll be good. And I want to tell you something. There was nothing relevant about that destination. Nothing. I also want to tell you what seven miles means. Seven miles is not about a number. You guys know this, right? Seven in the Bible is about, listen, completion. I need you to write that down. Seven is about completion. 
when Peter said, how many times do I forgive someone that offended me? Seven? Jesus said, no. That's a great number, though. No. Seventy times seven. Still for that. It meant, no, you are going to keep forgiving until you come to eternity with me. Let me tell you when you stop forgiving someone. By the way, this is not even in the notes. Let me tell you when you need to stop forgiving someone that's hurt you. When you go be with Jesus. Until then, we are called to forgive and release people. Until the day of completion. So I hope you're getting this, right? Two guys, Jesus, they, he didn't do what he wanted. They're walking away. They're going to a place that's irrelevant. And they're going in a place that really has nothing to do with how far it is. And it has nothing to do where they're going. But then it says where they're walking from. They're walking from Jerusalem. In case you don't know this, in the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel, and in the New Testament, uh, John writes this in Revelation. He talks about one day there'll be a new Jerusalem. Do you know what the new Jerusalem is? It's a gathering of God's people. The new Jerusalem is the gathering place where God's people will be communal. So let me tell you what this story is showing to us. It is showing us two people that had, that, that, that had an expectation for Jesus that did not end the way they wanted. They started walking to Emmaus that had no relevance, seven miles, because it didn't matter how far it is. They may have been in the mind where they're going, though it doesn't even matter if they can describe where they're going. The matter is where they're walking from, and they tied their hurt to the community of God's people. What they are walking away from is the community with God and the community with God's people. See, when you read chapter 24, verse 13, I wonder if you put yourself in that part of the story. Because I gotta be honest, I can fit in that story. I make expectations for Jesus. I get upset. I wanna walk away. You know who's easy to walk away from when you're mad? From God's people and God. And I'm telling you, it's happening. It's happening for people in the room, and it's happening for people that even do believe. Because here's what we do. The devastation that we have created, the devastation is typically tied to a destination instead of the expectation. But listen, it is not the destination that was the issue. It was the expectation you made in that destination. Many of us have tied hurt to God and God's people. Because let me tell you what we don't need in Boston. People that come to Boston because they don't like their church in Georgia. And by the way, I'll say it to people in Texas. Don't come to Boston because, because you don't like your church in Texas or you don't like your church in the South or you don't, listen, the problem's not the destination, it's your expectation in the destination. And what your life needs isn't a new destination, it needs a life transformation. Can I start preaching yet? What you need is to encounter Jesus. And stop telling God 
what you want to pack for his kingdom building. You know what Jesus said to his 72? You don't need anything but me. Drop it. All you need is me. Let's go. And we go, that didn't make sense. He goes, I know. My kingdom doesn't make sense. Let's go build my kingdom, not your kingdom. If walking and and working for God makes sense to you, you're not working for him. You're not. I'm telling you, the country is in chaos. The church is in chaos because we have made expectations of what God should have done or what Jesus should do or what other people, you know what? The chaos is coming because people aren't encountering Jesus. And so I'm begging, would you ask God for an encounter instead of an expectation? I'm going to read two more verses as I close up. These will be quick. This will be quicker. All right, I'm going to land the plane here. Verse 14. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that happened. I want you to hear this. Hurt in your life, no matter how long ago when you were hurt, you can talk about it like it happened an hour ago. You can talk about it like it happened that day. Whether this is emotional hurt, whether this is spiritual hurt, whether this is physical hurt, You can talk about it like it happened today. I love this. Because we go, man, these guys are walking away, they're hurt. And they're talking about it. Yep, and you do too. You might not be talking with a buddy, but you talk about it in your mind all the time. Part of what is keeping you from encountering Jesus is the expectation of what he should do for your hurt or what he should have done to keep you from the hurt. You like to tell God what he should do to the people that hurt you. What you like to tell God instead of encountering him, you just keep placing more expectations on him. And so here we go again. The brokenness turns to bitterness. And then we got to put a name on the bitterness. And here's what we do. We either find the people or we find the creator. And we say, it's your fault. And I don't know where I'm walking, but it's away from you. Verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things. Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. I'm going to read that again. As they talked and discussed their hurt, Jesus came in and began walking with them. Someone needs to hear this tonight. Jesus is not afraid of brokenness. The moment Jesus entered this world, he entered into brokenness. Why in the world are you trying to fix yourself before Jesus enters it? Jesus came into something broken to fix it. 
you like to tell Jesus what you're going to do based on what's happened to you. And Jesus says, no, I, let me in your brokenness. Let me walk with you. Listen. Oh, gosh, I'm ready to start preaching tomorrow's message. Jesus did not say to them, get fixed so I can walk with you. Jesus said, I'm walking with you. If you don't believe in God, if you're still trying to figure out Jesus, if you're still going, man, so look, look, many of us, what you believe in Jesus is just expectations you've made on him. You have not read his word. Jesus wants to come in to your hurt, your confusion, your doubt, your fear, your loneliness. In fact, I would say to you, telling people that they are wrong to talk about their hurt while they're walking away from the church and walking away from God is wrong. I'm going to tell you, listen. Ooh. Vic, I'm like you sometimes. I'm just trying to process to, to make sure I say the right thing. We are not being Jesus if you can't walk with somebody that's walking away from God. If you cannot enter into their brokenness, you are being the most unlike Jesus. And if you won't let Jesus into your brokenness, you are doing the one thing that will hurt you more than anyone has ever hurt you. Verse 16, I'm going to be done. But God kept them from recognizing him. Ooh, God kept them from recognizing him. See, most pastors would skip that verse and keep going. But I'm going to end with that verse. God kept them from recognizing him. On the outside looking in, that seems like a very mean God. Why would two people hurt not be able to know that they just encountered Jesus? God just blinded them from knowing that they were encountering Jesus. That doesn't sound like a loving father, but you need to get this. God is perfect. God is good. Even if your earthly dad has disappointed you, your heavenly father will never disappoint you. God seems to work through blindness. Mm. Some people are like, "That's let's start preaching right there. That's a good, let's, you know, we'll start preaching it. Hey, I'm over time. Does anybody care? I hope not. <laughs> Get off the stage. Okay. Here's where I'm, I'm going to land the airplane. Here we go. Ready? When Paul encountered Jesus, what happened to Paul after that happened? What happened? Does anybody remember? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. All, anytime a communicator asks you a question, it's probably the thing that he just said. 
blind. Yes, yes, whoever said that. Yeah, he was blind. He was physically blind. You know what's crazy? You read Paul's encounter and you're like, dang, yeah, he should be blinded. Hey, Jesus should have done more than that. He let him off easy. Let me tell you what, what Jesus does in blindness. He allows you to encounter him without any of your expectations. So don't tell me that God is being a bad dad. Don't tell me that when we feel like we're in a season of wilderness that it's a wasted season. No, when I read stories in the Bible about the wilderness season, I see a season where God has encountered his people in a supernatural way that he doesn't do outside of a, of a wilderness season. I see God encountering people in supernatural ways in a blinded season. I see God setting up a spiritual transformation in a blinded season. And if you've read this story before, I'm just gonna go ahead and give you the outcome. If Jesus was known before he got to walk with them, then they would have continued living in their expectations and never truly encountered the savior that they needed. My favorite verse right now, and band, you can come out. I know they're waiting. I'll give you eight minutes some other time. Favorite verse right now, 2 Timothy 2.12. 2, this is Paul in prison. And I want you to tell me if you can say this. this that is why I'm suffering here in prison. But I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I'm sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. See, what God does sometimes that doesn't feel loving is really the most loving thing he can do for us. Because he is not about our physical pleasure. He is about our spiritual saving. And it may not make sense what God is doing. You can say, this is, this is me in a blinded moment. I don't understand. But maybe in this season of blindness, in a season of prison, in a season where it doesn't make sense, John the Baptist is in prison and he's going, I doubt that God even exists. Why? Because he made other expectations for Jesus. You know what Jesus was doing while, Paul was in, while, while John was in prison? Jesus was out building the kingdom of God. Can I tell you that the kingdom of God can be built even while you are in prison? Spiritually or physically or emotionally or mentally, whatever you want to call it. The kingdom of God is being built. It is being built without you, but he wants to build it with you. He might even have you in a season that you don't like, in a season that you don't understand, in a season that needs to be reset. Where you can say, God, I want to trust you. 
but you can't trust him unless you know him. You don't know him unless you encounter him. And the only way we can encounter Jesus is to ask God to crush our expectations. That you would say, Jesus, crush my expectations. I want to know you. Jesus, crush them. Everything that I've thought, I don't want to be like John and begin to doubt who you are just because you're not doing what I want. God, blind me. Put me in an emotional, put me in a place where I can trust you and not my expectations. Listen. This is what Jesus said. You want to know me. You want to help me build my kingdom. Don't take your what I have for you is far greater than you can even imagine. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you that there are 200 plus church planters in this room. There are students that you will use to build your kingdom, but I ask you, Jesus, will you, will you crush our expectations? He's like, this doesn't sound right. Why do you want us walking away from God? I don't want you walking away from God. I want you questioning if everything you knew about God was just really your expectation for you being God. Have you truly encountered the creator of the universe? God, I beg you that you will encounter us in a fresh way. We will drop our bags at the altar. We will say, God, I want to know you. Jesus, walk with me. I'm scared. I've never done this. Walk with me. And listen, one invitation for Jesus to break into your brokenness is the day that he will break in. He's waiting for the invitation. Jesus, will you reset everything that we have made for our king? Thank you that you tell us you walk with us. Thank you that you're not too scared to walk with us. Thank you that you're okay to walk with me in my hurt and in my distractions and in my disappointment. Jesus, you are welcome here. And so do what you do. We pray for this. Jesus.